0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thank you for joining us as we begin our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs. Now, here's the truth. Every one of us walk in here today, and we're on a path. And we're on a path that is going somewhere. Today, you're in the process of going somewhere. And the truth is, even if you've been beat up, and disappointed, and rejected, and you feel lost, and you feel confused, you're still headed somewhere. All of us are going somewhere today. I have been saved only just a, a few months, and this brother, L.M. Spear, an African-American brother that lived down in Blackjack, Georgia, I lived in Noonan, Blackjack was a little community, Outside of sonoya at that time he came to our house and he stopped by and he was on his way to atlanta Now my brother was styling and profiling three-piece suit looking all sharp, and I said, where are you going? And he said i'm going to do a funeral now I'd only been saved and following jesus for a few months, and I said you're going to do a funeral He said I am a 26 year old guy drugs gambling raising all sorts of hell got stabbed outside of a nightclub And I'm going to do the funeral. I know the family. And I said, what are you going to talk about? And he said, I've titled my talk. This is a short preparation for a long journey. I was like, I wrote it down. That is a proverbial statement. He said, this is a short preparation. The time that we get on this planet is short in view of eternity. So, So we say here. A proverbial statement live with eternity as your backdrop. Live with eternity as your backdrop. You are on a path today, and we're all in the process, each and every one of us, right now, of becoming the end of our journey. You are in the process of becoming the end of your journey. I am too. And the question has to be asked, am I living wise or am I living foolish? Because every choice we make every day takes us closer to what the end of our journey is really going to be. What are they going to say about you at your eulogy? What's going to be said? We leave here last Sunday. We go back to our houses or whatever and... Just having lunch and just kind of kicking. And Steve Trailer sends me a text. And he's like, you're not going to believe it. John had a massive heart attack and died. John Bush was a guy that showed up here about three years ago. John's wife had died and John had been at a previous church in a different location. And John was kind of looking for community and connection. and, and, And John shows up here. And, and, and John starts to saturate in culture. Every Wednesday night, John is here having dinner with us. John signs up to work part of our security team. And, and John connects with you, Glenn and Bird and Neil and all these guys. And, and Richard, every Wednesday night, every Sunday, John, whether he would be on his Harley or whether, whether he would just uh, be here during the winter just kind of chilling, he'd wear his fedora. He'd come in, and he started serving, and he just started connecting with our community, Nick. And then last Sunday, he was out with some friends, and they had gone to D.C. to some bikers' convention, and they were just kind of chilling, and as he was walking, bam, he collapsed, and they tried to revive John, and John's with Jesus right now. You've got to live every day with eternity as the backdrop, and every choice that you and I are making every day We're becoming the end of our journey. And and John had remarried nine weeks ago. Steve did the wedding here. And the lady that John had remarried was here this week. And we sat there and spent some time with her on Wednesday. And she looked and she said, you guys have no clue what healing and just love that you guys extended to john john would call me and tell me how much he loved this church and how much he loved this community and how much he loved serving and whatever you guys did helped him in his healing process john really loved you guys you're becoming the end of what your journey is going to be with the choices and the decisions you're making every day so here's some fundamental questions as you ponder proverbs Where are you going? What path are you on right now, and where are you going? Why are you going there? Where am I going in life, and why am I heading in that direction? What are you becoming? What really is the best road to travel day in and day out? Who's making the trip with you? Who are you making the trip with? How do you navigate through all the problems and pitfalls that life throws your way? Community is absolutely essential as we do life. Community is absolutely essential in connectivity as we experience healing. We're living in a culture right now where we're bombarded with endless information daily. Everyone has an opinion, and and you're bombarded, and I'm bombarded, and People are trying to tell us what to do in relationships and how to handle our money and what, what, what this sexual life should look like and uh, all this kind of stuff. Uh, relationships, here's how you should do that and here's the kind of employment. and We're bombarded every day. You get news feeds and social media and scammers and they're, they're trying to tell you how to do life. And, and it can be overload of information. You know it as well as I do. And if you're not careful, and if you don't have the right foundation, it can be very confusing. And life can be somewhat insane at times. You you look at magazines, and you watch movies, and they're holding up this portrait saying, here's what you should look like. Here's what beauty looks like. Here's what having it together looks like. And so the question really is, whose voice are you listening to? You're listening to a voice every day. There's a trump card voice that's calling the shots in your life, and it's calling the shots in my life. You you do, we do have to stop and go, who are you following? Who's got the lead in your life right now? And, and, And it causes us to just... Stop and go, I'm living in this broken world, and I need so much more than knowledge, and I need so much more than information. I need wisdom, and we're going to break it down. I I need wisdom, and that is what the book of Proverbs is all about. It's practical wisdom. We'll define wisdom here in a second, but this is practical wisdom for everyday life. It's God offering wisdom of what loving God and fearing God and doing life in a a real healthy, God-centered way looks like. Proverbs details the damage and destruction that we cause when we decide that we want to do our own thing. Proverbs lays out, look at the damage. Look at the fool. As a dog returns to his vomit, look at how people do life when they're foolish and when they're like, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. He goes, in Proverbs, you see all this damage and destruction, and some of us have become the recipient of doing life that way. It also paints a beautiful portrait of what it looks like when we humble ourselves and we go... I don't know what's best, and I don't even know what's good, and I need help. We find that in Proverbs where it's like, hey, here's the way to kind of do it. Proverbs ultimately leads us to Jesus, who was the wisest person to ever live, who is the source of all life and wisdom. Proverbs really does, when you study it, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the Word. The incarnate word, when we study Proverbs, it's like, hey, you want wisdom? It's found in Jesus, and in Proverbs, it's almost like Jesus is extending his hand to us, saying, why don't you let me lead you? Why don't you let me guide you through the ups and downs of this journey? You you see, there's a way that seems right to man, he says in Proverbs, but the end is destruction. Destruction. When we try to decide and determine what life should look like, we're, we, we can royally screw it up. Don't, don't miss this. Proverbs chapter 1. And I, I just want to read, really, verses uh, 2 through 6. And this week, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. This is the English Standard Version. But, but verse 1, the Proverbs. I'll define proverb here in a second. The Proverbs. Of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Solomon writes the majority. There's two other writers, we'll reference them when we get to them. But Solomon writes the majority of it. Solomon, you're one of the smartest, wisest dudes to ever live. But the majority of what he writes in these 30, 29 chapters of whatever he writes, Make the majority of what he wrote, he contradicted. And he came to the realization that doing things God's way is the only way really to do it. Starting in verse 2, the purpose of Proverbs is I would circle these words, I would highlight these words. The purpose of Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline. The purpose of Proverbs is to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. The purpose is to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. You you want your young child and... As you're raising that next generation, you want them to have proper knowledge and discernment? Stay in Proverbs. It's here to teach you, instruct you, to give you insight. Let the wise listen and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meanings of these Proverbs and parables. The purpose of Proverbs is to help you it's to grow you. Is to teach you. It's to encourage you. It's to instruct you. The Word of God is alive. The purpose. Here's a working definition. A proverb is a short, simple saying that expresses truth for practical, godly living. When you read it, it is short. It is simple. It is practical. And it points us to godly living. Proverbs are really wisdom nuggets. I mean, we live in this day, it's like, what do you want? I want Chick fil A nuggets. Well, great, but the greatest nuggets that you'll ever receive in your life is in the Word of God and in the book of Proverbs. These nuggets of wisdom are just sitting there and they're available to each and every one of us. They're simple, they're easy in their format. And They're profound. They're life-changing. I mean, so many of us who have been around the faith, we quote many Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. And there's just, Proverbs is loaded with these one-liners. And I love one-liners. And I love phrases, just quick, hold-on-to phrases They're they're, they're simple, they're profound, I can can remember it. Here's a premise statement for you. Here's a premise statement. The pursuit of wisdom and the pursuit of God cannot be separated. To pursue God is to pursue his wisdom and to pursue true wisdom is to pursue God. You can't separate it. And God invites us to know him and to walk with him. Solomon even admits, if you study, that the pursuit of wisdom in itself is empty. If you read Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, Solomon goes, man, I, I got on this crash course of, of trying to pursue wisdom, and it was chasing after the wind. It, it was vanity. It was foolishness. Because I tried to do a lot of this wisdom-seeking under the sun, which means apart from God. I I, I did a lot of this so-called wisdom-seeking apart from God. I didn't include God. God was not central in it. And here's what he concludes. You want to pursue wisdom? The more you know, the more you're responsible for Ignorance is bliss, the more you know, the more you're responsible for. Because the scripture says to the one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, sins. So Solomon goes, uh, If you try to pursue this wisdom apart from God, it's foolish. Because true pursuit of wisdom really will lead you to God, and the true pursuit of God will lead you to wisdom. That's the reason he says in James again, Any, anybody who wisdom, let him ask of God. Here's a working de- definition. Uh, hold on. Let me say this. Let me give you two truths, and then I'll give you a working definition of wisdom here in a second. Truth number one would be this. Life only works to the full. If you live according to God's design. Life only works to the full if you live according to God's design. You ignore God's design, it's not going to work. I don't care how much money, how much fame, how much notoriety, it's not going to work. Here's another true statement. You will begin to experience true wisdom if you fear God and if you submit to him. Now, here's some things as I think about fearing God and submitting. Write it down. Fear and submission. What, what do you mean by that? There's got to be this desperation to know God. When do you exist to know God? Enjoy God? Glorify God? I've got a desperation. Then this fear and submission should drive us to this holy fear. Lord, I've got this incredible reverence. Yeah, there's fright. But there's reverence. And then it should drive us to trusting awe. Oh, God, you're so awesome. You blow my mind. And when I look at your handiwork and all that you've made, I'm, I'm in awe. Look at what you've done. Larry Crabb. We did the 66 love letters, but listen to what Crabb said. He said, most people who claim to follow the Lord They expect to dance before they tremble. They want to climb into his lap and call him Daddy before they bow before him and call him Lord. Without a holy fear and without this amazing awe, worship and love become an illusion that makes foolish living even look wise. We we live in a culture that has lost the holy fear and the holy reverence of God. You'll hear people oftentimes, when they start talking about God, they present him like he's a cosmic Santa and you can live like hell and do whatever you want to do. Just sit on his lap and tell him what you want. and, And he goes, no. Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. You cannot violate truth and be a worshiper of God. Listen to what Crabb goes on to say. Ever since the fall of man in the garden, the way that seems right to sinful people is gossip, drunkenness, valu- valuing money over right relationships, cutting corners, selfish living. And I'm reading that going, that's right. In a fallen world with sinful people where truth to them has become subjective, meaning you're the subject and you can do whatever you want to do, where is holy fear? Where is this holy awe and reverence? Where is this bowing before him as Lord? We must approach him on his terms. So, the main characters when you get into Proverbs, and this is good to know, are the wise, the foolish, and the simple. The wise, the foolish, and the simple. And you'll see contrast throughout the pages, especially in the first nine chapters. The wise are presented in Proverbs by saying, look at the wise. They they have a life worth following. They're worth imitating. Look, look, that person is a wise person. Yeah, I want to follow the wise. Wise people have submitted pretty much every part of their lives to God. They're withholding nothing, and they're bowing before him, going, you you lead, you drive, you take over. One of the things you'll find fascinating when you study Proverbs is this. The wise, when you, Brandy's been going through it. She's been sending me and Barb notes almost every day of stuff that she's reading. I love it. The wise are described as righteous, upright, diligent, understanding prudent it's all these cool words when you look going look look at the wise they're they're diligent they're disciplined people they do what is right and righteous in the eyes of god follow them pay attention to the wise draft off of them if you're trying to learn how to do life and then he talks about the fool the fool is someone who has rejected god they've rejected god's design And rather than fearing the Lord, the fool does what is right in his own eyes. That's what he says in Proverbs. The fool is said to himself. The fool does what is right to himself. The fool, the fool, the fool. It's replete talking about the fool. And I've dealt with a lot of fools. I was a fool for a long time until I surrendered to Jesus. The fool is headed to destruction. When you read, the fool is described in Proverbs as wicked, lazy, Lacking sense. It's like, they're idiots. Look at them. Don't follow them. Don't, 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 don't go in that way. And I was like, man, what do you know about the fool? The fool disrupts unity. Foolish person, when they come, they come in, they 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 just they disrupt unity. The unity of the Lord. They betray integrity. They stain the beauty of the Lord. And I watch this with people on how they move and how they maneuver and navigate. And when they walk into a room or when they walk into a relationship, do they make it better? Do they add value? Or is their reputation, they disrupt unity. They stain the beauty of the moment. The wise, the foolish. The majority of the book of Proverbs is written toward the simple. And when you read through Proverbs, you'll see the simple or the simpleton mentioned many times. And what they're saying is hey, hey, hey simple person, since you haven't really committed to either wisdom or foolishness, you need to be paying attention. It, you are easily misled, you, you're, you're misguided. And you pay attention to whatever seems popular. Listen, simple man, don't be misled. Don't be misguided. Don't follow the wrong people. And so, really, the book of Proverbs, as we do counseling, it screams that hey, hey, you're, you're at a fork in the road. God's given wisdom, God's given insight, God's given a path. And, and I'm telling you, a lot of the things that God's laid out, it, it doesn't make sense to man. But if you, will, if you will read this and obey this and submit to this and honor this, I'm telling you, it's going to work. It's going to work. So the majority of the book is written to the simple. Now, there's three major goals for me, for Nick, for Rick, for Dustin, Steve, our, our team, Joe, all of us, as we go through this series. And I want you to hear this. Here, here are three targets or three aims or three goals that we have for you. I want you to hear this loud and clear. Number one. Our goal, our desire is that you would see and you would experience Jesus Christ as the wisest person who has ever lived, that you would experience the wisdom and the personal intimacy with Christ and that he would lead you and guide you and direct your steps every day as your Lord, as your master, as your ruler, as your authority. What's the goal? We want you to experience Jesus Christ. Who's the wisest, most brilliant person ever to walk this planet? When God took on a robe of flesh and became man, Jesus. So as we go through this venture, Merle, as we go through this, what's the goal? We want to see every person shun the foolishness of the world and experience Jesus Christ in a powerful way. Is he found throughout Proverbs? He's found throughout Proverbs. And, and we read all these proverbial statements here in this book. But, Dean, it's so trippy. I, I was thinking about this. Jesus used a ton of what we call now proverbial statements. Let's think about this. Turn the other cheek. We've all heard that one. Where did that come from? Master Jesus. Jesus said, uh, go the second mile. That's what Truett Cathy built Chick-fil-A on. Go the extra mile. Jesus says, hey, if someone asks you to go a mile, go two. If they ask you for your shirt, give them your, your coat, your shoe. Give it. Go the extra mile to reach people. Jesus made statements like, uh, don't cast your pearl before swine. Don't, don't give what's holy to dogs. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Jesus taught us the golden rule. Doing to others is, you would really want others to do to you, right? Jesus taught, how can you get so caught up in removing a speck out of your brother's eye when you got a log in yours? That's a proverb that, he, he goes, no one can serve two masters. I'm telling you right now, Glenn, when you study proverbs, you'll see Christ just Proclaiming the the love of the Father throughout the book. Jesus used all these proverbial statements. I, I've got a lot of them myself. I love one-liners, but I'll, I'll never forget like Dad. Well, well, what'd you say, Daddy? I said if you hang out with dogs, son, you're gonna get fleas on you. And my dad used a lot of one-liners, right? I was telling Nick this week. I was watching the Music Awards years ago and. They were honoring Bob Dylan, and they were giving him like the musician or whatever of the century or whatever they were honoring him with, and Dylan was known to burn a few brain cells. And so when they introduced Dylan that night and the people were applauding, they gave Dylan a mic, and Dylan said, wow, thank you. You know, it's like my daddy always said. Man, my daddy said a lot of things. And he moved on. And I'm like, dude, you have burned way too many brain cells. What did your daddy say? What did your mama say? Here's the second truth. Our prayer is that you would receive wisdom from God in such a way that you would know what a life fully submitted and surrendered to the lordship of Christ looks like day in and day out. Our prayer is that God would use Proverbs to show you how to live in such a way and glorify the Father in such a way that you would conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, no matter where you're at. I'm like, is that a goal? That's a goal. Is that all of us, it would not be based on behavior. It would be based on belief, and the belief would drive how we do life every day with our behavior. When you read Proverbs, I pray that's what you see in it. I wrote this down, that we want to be a church that fears God. We want to be a church that pursues wisdom, and we want to be a church that rejects foolishness. What is the cross Loganville known for? They fear God. They pursue the wisdom of God. They reject a bunch of foolish junk. They want to see people grow up. Our third goal would be this is as a result of studying Proverbs and submitting and surrendering, that you would then reveal Christ to the world in which you live, that your neighbors and coworkers and friends would look at you going, what, what, what is it about you? You add value. You encourage. Every place you walk in, you bring refreshment. What is it about you? And you can say, I, I know Christ in a personal way, and it's the wisdom of God that's radically transformed me. You you see, that would be the goal, right? Man, I'm I'm learning, but not just for the sake of information, not just for the sake of knowledge. I'm learning for the sake of wisdom. Here's the definition. Wisdom is always, always God-oriented and very practical. Wisdom. Three targets every week I'm trying to hit. Three, is what I'm speaking or sharing or proclaiming, is it biblical? Is what I'm sharing practical, which means can you do it? Is what I'm sharing and preaching transferable? Can you pass it on to somebody else? That's the target that I try to hit every week as I stand here and open the Word. And it doesn't matter what the topic or what the theme or if we're doing an expository study through whatever. I I want you to sit there and go, that brother, what he's sharing, that's biblical. What he just shared with me is practical. I can apply it to my life and do it. What he just shared is transferable. I can share that with my friends and my family and my coworkers. To me, Greg, this is one of the best definitions here. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge, insight, and skill for the glory of God. They've got wisdom. What are you saying? The information and knowledge that they have, coupled with the insight and discernment that they have, coupled with the skill that God has given them, they use it for the glory of God. They point people to Jesus. They don't point people to them. The Bible defines wisdom in relational terms, not in academic or educational terms. There's a lot of people that are academically intelligent, but are absolutely foolish when it comes to the things of God. They may have PhDs and other degrees, but their style and their approach and their sharing doesn't lead you to God. It's not God-oriented, it's not God-centered, it's not God-practical. You go, that, that guy's book smart, but he's dumb as a brick. I, I don't know if you've seen lessons from a third grade dropout, but man, I, I watched this uh, video and Nick, it, it intrigued us so much, Right? And I was like, man, I've got to buy that book, Lessons from a Third-Grade Dropout. And this brother is sharing. He's like the keynote speaker at some great college or whatever. And he said, everything I learned in the practical, God-centered, wise approach to life, I learned from my dad, who had a third-grade education, but had wisdom and insight beyond his years. I bought the book. We'll quote some out of that in the weeks to come. You want to read a practical, simple, good book that's based on biblical truth, that's doable, that you can pass on wisdom to others? Lessons from a third grade dropout, I would highly recommend that to you. So wisdom is is having knowledge, information, insight, and skill that God has planted inside of you but you use it for the glory of God. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? The wisdom that God desires to offer us will totally humble you, melt you. It will keep you in this reverent awe. I can't believe that God continues to want to show me more of who he is. We were talking about this the other day. I can't believe that God would desire to reveal more of himself and the beauty of who he is every day. I love my wife, 29 years in marriage. I love my wife. I can tell you this, in my walk with Jesus, this is the most intriguing, mind-blowing relationship that I've ever been in in my life. Barb intrigues me, Barb amazes me. But when I hang out with the Father and when I hang out in Scripture and when I hang out with the God that created it all, I'm so intrigued. This relationship don't grow dull, guys. It doesn't grow dull. It's amazing. When you start to get wisdom, it allows you to turn every good thing or right thing back to the right source. God, that was you working God, that was you unfolding your character. You want a working definition? The glory of God is the character of the sum of all of his magnificent attributes. Hey, God, when you showed me your glory, when you started showing me the sum and the vastness of your attributes, I was blown away. I'm intrigued. You teach me more about you every day. I had a guy tell me years ago when I first started Becoming a student of Jesus and a student of the word. He said, Tim, this is talking about the 66 canonized books. He said, I'm telling you right now, it's one of the most intriguing books you'll ever pick up. He said, it's shallow enough that the babiest of all Christians will never drown. He said, but it's deep enough that the greatest theologian will never touch bottom. I'm like, I got to know this guy. It's unfathomable. Is the word that is used wisdom is more than common sense wisdom is more than intellect wisdom is more than degrees I I would write this down I would write it in your journal I would write it I would write it down in your tablet your iPad whatever you're using wisdom is not something you do it is a way of doing all things Wisdom, is it something you do? No, wisdom is a way of doing all things. Wisdom is the core. Wisdom is the drive inside. Based on the power of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that God places inside, you start to know the proverbial wisdom of God, and it starts to eliminate, it it starts to give you power to eliminate foolish choices. You're like, man, That's not going to glorify God. Here's my wrap. Just think about this, and then we'll unpackage it more and more in days to come. If you study the first nine chapters of Proverbs, this is an overview today. But it's an overview with the hope that it would intrigue you to ponder, contemplate, and explore who God is. And that you would totally fall in love with the person of Christ. But if you study the first nine chapters... You'll see all of this laid out. You'll see the call of wisdom. What is the price for rejecting wisdom? You'll see what is the prize for receiving wisdom. It, it's laid out. You'll see the value of wisdom. You'll see God laying out, hey, here's the value. Here's how living a, a wise, godly life will prosper you and will bless the next generation. It will bless your kids. It's like I, I, want, I want that. I mean, there's proverbial statements on how to do marriage, how to do parenting. I mean, in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart, Proverbs. Spare the rod, you'll spoil a child, Proverbs. Hey, I'll show you the value. I'll show you why you should value what's valuable in Proverbs. As you read it here, you'll see the protection of wisdom. There's so many protection statements. We make the statement here that the Ten Commandments really are God's ten protections. People go, the Ten Commandments. God don't want you doing that. They're ten protections. They're brilliant, wise statements of God trying to protect you. You find that here in Proverbs. The provisions of wisdom. God will go, let me tell you, not only do I protect but here's some of the provisions I'll make when you apply this. You get, throughout the first nine chapters, this contrast of what wisdom and foolishness look like. Oh, so awesome. You've got you've to read it. You've got to ponder it. You've got to ask God to, to give you revelation and illumination. You've got to write things down in your own wording. God wants you to have wisdom. God wants you to use knowledge and information and insight and skill for his glory and for the good of your neighbor. Nick, I was thinking about this. God's wisdom is God's will. And God's will is found in all of God's wisdom. I was pondering this just in the first few chapters of Proverbs. God's will is practical Practical, doable, you can implement it. It can be applied to every aspect of our lives. A proper relationship with God involves understanding his truth, then applying it. What do you know about the will of God, Tim? It's practical. Is it complicated? Practical. I think one of the most brilliant things that we can land on would be this. The key of becoming a great teacher and instructor is not taking the simple and making it complicated. It's taking the complicated and making it simple and doable. You see, we can teach Proverbs to our two-year-olds and our four-year-olds and our eight-year-olds and our 88-year-olds and everything in between because it's doable. Here's a second thought. God's will is a joyful life. I didn't say happy because happy is kind of hinges on what's happening. I said joyful. It transcends it. You know that you're honoring God and you're walking in the way of God and the word of God and the will of God. You go, I'm so joyful. God's will is a purposeful life. You you start to understand, this is why I was made. Again, I was made to glorify you and worship you and enjoy you forever. It's enjoyable. God's will does not just happen. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to seek it. You've got to study it. You've got to pursue it. You've got to apply it. I I was telling my buddy Richard. We hung out for a bit on Friday. And I said, man, since you surrendered four, five years ago, whenever. I said, the crazy thing is you can have people sitting side by side every week. Listen to me. Some have sit here and been in church for 10 years and some have been in church for 20 years and some have been in church for five years. And I said, and I'm not trying to give you a swelled head. I said, but your pursuit of really seeking the Lord and seeking wisdom and study, you've accelerated past a lot of people in their spiritual growth. There's nothing to brag about and boast about, but I'm like, I love seeing how hungry You are to grow. And and that really should be the desperation of each of our souls. Like, oh, I've known Christ since 1985, and I've read enough, and prayed enough, and studied enough. I'm just going to kind of cruise. Then shoot me. Get rid of me. Go do something else. Oh, bro. Be a flowing stream. Don't be a stagnant pond. True life, if you study Proverbs, it's available to everyone who will pursue it. Come. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come. Drink from the fountain of the Lord. We want to help you. We're going to go through it. You've got to read during the week. You've got to study it during the week. And, and, and we got this conversation going on last night. And, and, and Jesse was like, it's, it's interesting. Make your statement I am what follows. I am not a good reader. You're not going to be a good reader. I am not good at memorizing Scripture. You're not going to be able to memorize Scripture. I'm not good at forgiving. Then you're not going to forgive. You spin it. I am a reader. Then you'll be a reader. I am memorizing God's word. I'll memorize God's word. I am committed to loving my neighbor. You'll love your neighbor. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs even talks about that. I am going to devour Proverbs. I am going to memorize even now as much as I possibly can every week. I am going to saturate my mind with the Word of God. I am going to seek to walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. I am. What are you going to do? Whose voice are you listening to? Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website we have old messages and archived series, so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web. Or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.